Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. After a long couple of months, it's finally feeling like we're getting back to business as usual. But it's not the usual at all. At Missoula's Wingate, we are, as always, committed to giving you a relaxing stay at a great value. But we're also balancing the new guidelines, like maximum pool occupancies and increased disinfecting, to protect your health with a never-ending pledge to make you feel at home when you're not. If you find yourself on the road in the Missoula area, please consider staying with us at Missoula's Wingate. At the motel under street lights in the city of palms. Call me what you want when you want if you want. And you can call me names if you call me up. Three nights at the motel under street lights in the city of palms. Call me what you want when you want if you want. And you can call me names if you call me up. That song's always going to remind me of Ryan Tutel's Two Awesome Daughters. They love that song. We used to listen to it jam hard. Hope, he, hope they're having a great time out on the road. Maybe listen to the podcast. Maybe someday we can get Ryan to call in. But for now, we're having a great time here without him. Nuana is now 1029 ESPN Missoula. Statewide SWX Montana Television. If you missed anything in the first hour of the show, gave you a lot of details on Grizz football. April 10th, April 17th, they're playing games against Central Washington and um, Portland State, respectively. 5,000 fans are going to be allowed at Washington Grizzly Stadium for each of those games. You can go to Grizz, gogrizz.com backslash springfb, gogrizz.com backslash springfb for all the details. We also had our Around the Big Sky and Women's Hoops for the last time this season. Chris Redpath, former Lady Grizz, and our Big Sky Conference women's basketball analyst stopped by. Awesome to have her recapping all things Big Sky basketball and a little insight on Lady Grizz coaching search as well. She is a committee member. No scoops here, but she did give some insight into the process and uh, just what the ideal candidates might look like for uh, the next Lady Grizz head coach. If you want to find anything from the first hour, you can check it out on the podcast. The podcast is presented by Blackfoot Communications as well as the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel. We go now. The Rangers Brothers RV phone line. Happy to welcome in 
Grizz women's soccer coach Chris Chitavitsky, his team off to a 3-0 start. This is our Coach's Corner presented by Opportunity Bank of Montana. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. And you guys have a, a homestand coming up, a couple games against Portland State this weekend. But, Coach, first and foremost, just tell us about the start to this season. You have a 3 nothing win over Billings, um, MSU Billings as well as a couple one nothing wins over Idaho. A thriller uh, about a week ago against the Vandals in overtime. So what have you thought of the way your team's played so far in this young season? Yeah, you know what? So far, so good. Um, we had a really long conversation at practice the other day of how this is, if this was the fall, we're only three games in. And those would be three non-conference games. And we're just getting to know ourselves. And it usually takes about seven to eight games for us to fully click and understand the lineup, the rotations, the substitutions, how everybody moves, how everybody plays. So it's a young season with 3-0. and That's really exciting. But we're not even close to peak yet. And that's what excites me the most, that we're only going to get better every single weekend. The story for your team the last couple of years has been your outstanding defense led by your outstanding goalkeeper uh, in Claire Howard. So just talk about that element of the team. I mean, she had a bunch of shutouts last year, and now she's off to a, th- a three in a row this year as well. So that must give you a lot of confidence, just at least in the back end of your squad. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Claire is a phenomenal leader. She's a tremendous goalkeeper, and she's somebody who doesn't do much during the game because we are so well set up in front of her. But when she is called into action, she's absolutely clutch, and she makes the biggest saves. And she'll only make maybe one or two a game, but when she has to do it, she does it, which is why she's so good. Here on Nuanas now, we really try our best to not talk about the pandemic as much as possible because I think that uh, people want to talk about other things since that seems to be all we talk about in society. But I have to ask you one just kind of obligatory question. I mean, how has this thing just affected your your team, your program, just in terms of the development of players? And, and have, you, have you learned anything maybe from a positive fashion that you guys are able to carry into now that you kind of have a season underway? Oh, a ton of positives, to be honest. I mean, in the fall... If you would have seen our freshmen in the fall and you'd look at them now, they're completely different players because they've been developed. They're used to the college level. I trust them more on the field. If we were playing in the fall, none of them would be traveling. Hardly any. (laughs) Maybe one. But now giving them the opportunity to develop over the fall, get used to it, we could play ourselves, and then ease them into this season right now, they're ready for it. And some of them are already acting like they are almost borderline sophomores and they're playing like that, which is what I love. And that's why I'm giving them minutes. That's why they're going to be key players as this little short season progresses. They're going to contribute minutes and they're going to make a difference for us in a very positive way. So I would say that's the biggest plus out of this. Not playing in the fall has allowed us to further develop the returners and really develop the freshmen. So we have a lot more depth right now than we would have back then. It's a very interesting point. I've, I've talked about this with coaches in a, in a variety of different sports. And, uh, you know, football comes to mind first and foremost just because a lot of times, especially at the FCS level, the offensive and defensive line, those are, those are developmental positions. A lot of times you're getting guys in your program that really can't play for a couple of years until they put on the mask, put on the muscle. But in women's soccer, very physical sport. So do you think just that extra time off the field you know, in terms of conditioning, weight training, you know, gain in strength and, and things like that, does that help younger players in your sport as well? 100%. I mean, you just nailed it. Uh, a lot of them come in and they're not used to the pace of the game. They're not fit enough. They're not strong enough. And working with our strength and conditioning staff that we have here is it helps a ton. And the fact that they've had August, September, October, November, 
December, January, February, and here we are in March. That's what, eight months in the weight room? Huge difference. Huge difference. And on top of that, technically, they're more comfortable, and they're more comfortable within the unit itself. They feel like they belong to the program. They've been accepted to it, which does take time because you have to prove yourself within it, and you prove yourself in the weight room, and you prove yourself in fitness, and they've done that, which is why, again, I'm telling you, we're better off now than we would be in the fall. It's very interesting. Full Christian Davisky joining us for our Coach's Corner presented by Opportunity Bank. He is the soccer coach for the University of Montana women's soccer team. And, uh, Coach, you have such a veteran squad. So what's that part like? Just the element of adding young players, new players, maybe unproven players to a a squad that does have a lot of experience. And how do you go about uh, navigating that element of it, building chemistry within the team um, when, you know, sort of different times, you can't necessarily be having team parties and things like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's been, again, it's almost a blessing that we had the entire fall off to really have this team mold together and become what it is. We were going to be senior heavy, junior heavy, rely on the players who got the job done for us the previous season, but now we don't really have to, which in itself then leads to the next round of issues of, okay, well, who is playing? And if this person's playing and they're younger, how does that affect somebody who's older? And so now you're dealing with a whole new set of circumstances, which is in itself extremely stressful. But it's the best problem to have, isn't it? Would you rather have 18 players who can play or 26 who can compete for, stop, for, for spots? So we're, we're very blessed with the depth that we have in the squad right now. Um, but it has, it's been a challenge kind of making it all come together and make sure the chemistry is where it's supposed to be. And as a program for two years, we thrived on having an excellent culture. And all of a sudden, when there's a ton of competition for playing spots, it starts to stress the culture. And so that's, that's been hard for us to manage, but we're doing it extremely well, and it's going to show again this weekend. want to ask you about your freshmen specifically. Who has made the biggest impression? I mean, who, who's, who's battling for the, the highest level of playing time right now among, amongst the rookies? Um, we do have a lot of talented freshmen. Uh, one in particular who's doing a good job probably getting the most playing time is Josie Windauer. Uh, Jos is from Montana herself, from Columbia Falls, multi-sport athlete. If you put Josie and Alexa Coyle side by side and watch them play, there are times that they look identical. Alexa has been tasked with mentoring Josie. Josie now strikes the ball the same way that Alexa strikes the ball. They almost run in the same movement patterns. So Lex almost has a mini-me, which is outstanding because everybody's looking forward to having Coyle graduate, but you have no idea that Windauer is right next in line, and it's as if Coyle never left. So Jose is another Montana standout who I think is going to have a very bright future in this program. But then beyond that, you've got kids like Ali Melendez as somebody coming up who – if you watch Ali step on the field, you'll be like, oh, Chris, you put this little 13-year-old on the field because she's so small <laughs> and petite. But, boy, can the kid play. I mean, she is technically on a different level. She is such a high-level player who can hurt teams in different ways, and it's taken her eight months to physically catch up to where she needs to be fitness-wise, strength-wise, and now combining all of that with her technical talent and her tactical savviness, she's She's someone who could potentially explode here in the next two to three weeks on the scene and really hurt the big sky. 
Christian Vinsky joining us from the University of Montana women's soccer team. His team plays both Friday and Sunday against Portland State Big Sky Conference games here in the city of Missoula. You touched on Alexa Coyle. She's been somebody that's been a great contributor for Grizz Soccer uh, for the duration of her career, but one of the best returners in the league, second-team all-league selection the last time you guys were on the pitch back in 2019. What sort of steps, what sort of growth have you seen in Alexa here these last uh, eight, nine months? Uh, She just continues to develop. I just feel like sometimes players coming out of Montana haven't had the exposure of high-level club soccer. And so the ceiling is immensely higher than a lot of other players because athletically they're gifted. Um, and then you just catch them up and you develop and you develop and you develop. And Lex is somebody who is, her work ethic is literally insane. Uh, people don't understand. You see Lex work in a game and you're impressed by that. You'll see her in a training session, you're impressed by that. I go out to the field on my own to do small group work with a player. Lex happens to be out there. Later she's texting me because she wants more work. She's the type of kid who will work every single day putting in everything behind the scenes. You don't see it. You just see it on game day and you're impressed by it. But she works so hard and is so obsessed with trying to be the best player she could ever be that that's why she's playing at this level. And I feel like we're just now starting to see peak level Alexa Coyle. Ben Missoula may be watching in statewide SWX Montana television. Chris Chitavitsky joining us for our Coach's Corner. It's presented by Opportunity Bank of Montana. And, Coach, I know it's probably a little early to truly find the answer to this question, but what do you think the identity of is your of your team is right now, and what do you hope it evolves into as the season progresses? Yeah. Uh, quick rewind real quick. A freshman I should have mentioned before, too, is Molly Query, who herself has played for the youth national team for Canada, High-level player, went to Nebraska, transferred to us, and has stepped right into the lineup and is a starting center back as a freshman and is absolutely crushing it, too. That's another freshman who, once I looked through the roster on my computer, was like, whoop, should have mentioned her because she's crushing it, too. But as for identity of the team, we were, for two years, defensively sound. I mean, you said it yourself at the start of the program. Hey, you guys are known for shutouts. Yes, we are. We, we lock it down, defense wins championships, but we need to be better going forwards. That's something that for 400-plus days we've been working on behind the scenes in the fall, and it's coming out in little bits and pieces right now, and I hope to see more of it now against Portland State and tons of it later in the season. Hopefully, if we make playoffs, it's on full display because I feel like we're getting closer and closer to our true attacking identity, which is also mixed in with our defensive solidity. This is kind of a, a, a right turn here in this interview, but I, I want to ask you about transfers because we've just got out of of covering uh, college basketball intensively and there's a lot of great things going on in college basketball but one of the most strange and and new phenomenons and in a lot of realms concerning is just this rash of transfers the transfer portal i mean i I just recorded a sports center earlier this morning i think 29 players in the big sky conference have entered the transfer portal since the big sky tournament got over just on the men's side that's an amazing number uh, but you do you did mention you guys have fortified your roster with Molly Corey, a Nebraska transfer. I know you have a couple other uh, transfers on your roster. Mimi Iden, I know, came over from North Dakota as well. So what's the climate like for women's soccer right now when it comes to transfers? And, uh, I mean, is it is it as, let's say, rampant as it is in some of these other sports? It's more active than it ever has been, and I think it's going to continue because everybody's had this COVID year. Right, where, hey, you can come back for another season if you want to. So if we bring people back, it, again, increases the size of the roster, which will make some people unhappy who might potentially want to leave. I don't know. Right, So it really comes down to what we decide to do at the end of April. 
But I feel like that's really playing into it because I'm getting emails that are just saying that of, hey, I have another year of eligibility. I'm done over here. Could I come over? Or, hey, we have people that are going to be staying and I just don't want to be in this situation. I'm hoping I can come to your program and play. So it's the transfer portal, I bet, for the next two to three years is going to be very full and very active. Well, Coach, we'll get you out of here on this. Just give us a little breakdown of this weekend's games. First of all, what's the dynamic like playing uh, the same team back-to-back? We kind of saw this in basketball. It was sort of fascinating the way the second game plays out with the coaching adjustments and and the ways that you can maybe re-strategize in between games. Is it similar for for soccer, or or how how does the the back-to-backs against the same team, especially when they're conference opponents, work out? Yeah, identical for soccer. It's one of the most stressful situations I've been in, but I love it because it becomes such a chess game all of a sudden, right? Chess match of, well, what could, <laughs> we're sitting there between Idaho trying to figure out, all right, if I was Jeremy, I would do this to try to counter what we're doing. But what if he doesn't do that? We don't want to mess by our team by introducing too many things. Were we the more dominant team in the first game? Do we have to adjust whatsoever? Or do we adjust just to mess with them? Is our team able to adjust on the fly like that? And so soccer doesn't have this many adjustments. At the pro level, it does. And now you're asking your squad to potentially change the way you play completely or move people into different positions, potentially for a change from the opponent that you don't know if it's coming or not. So it's been crazy. We adjusted extremely well on the flight Idaho, which is why we got out of there with a sweep um, and not conceding any goals. So I love the team for that reason. But we still have to be more dominant in what we do. And that's what I'm looking forward to this weekend, to be honest, is can we maintain our identity for longer than 30 minutes in a half? Can we just be our new Grizz selves for the entire weekend? Or do we have to revert back to what we did before, which is a little bit more defensive, but it, gets, it ultimately gets the job done and we still get the results that we need to get. Friday, 7 p.m., it's at Big Sky High School. For anybody that wants to go maybe wander over there, check it out. I think you can uh, at least watch from afar, social distance, all that good stuff. But uh, both these games are being played at Big Sky High School against Portland State. But, Coach, give us a little, just a little preview of, of what maybe Portland State style is like and what this matchup might be like for your squad this weekend. Yeah, really complicated because, again, I didn't know what to expect out of Portland. It's been um, a slower start for them, but it is a team that's very talented. And for them, this is all of a sudden a must-win weekend. Of If they want to make playoffs, they have to get a one result against us at some point here this weekend. So it's almost a last stand because if they lose this weekend, it's pretty much over. And your season's done, and then you play your final one. So they're coming here because they need a result. So they're backed in a corner. And you never want to play a team that's backed in a corner, right? It becomes very, again, just a crazy game all of a sudden. So they're backed into a corner. And we're also at a point where... I just, we're, we've always wanted, we're saying that we want to be the most dominant team in the big sky. We want to be known as the big dog. And yet, we're always winning games 1-0-2-1-1-0-1-0-1-0-1-0-1-0-0-0-0-1-0. And it's when do we, at some point, set a marker down and say, okay, this is our turf. This is, this is who we are. And this isn't just dominance for the past two years. This is dominance forever now. This is the beginning of a summit that nobody sees coming. And is that... Is this? We tried to do that with Idaho, and it just worked out one zero one zero. And so we're going to try to do it again. Let's lay a marker down and show everybody exactly how good we are. This is the new identity. It's not just defensively solid anymore. It's a new team that can also score tons of goals. So we're going to try to do that. But you got to do it against somebody who's fighting for their season life. So it'll be tough. Um, I'm not really sure what to expect. I just know the team's really hungry and ready to play right now.
He's Chris Chudovitsky, head women's soccer coach, University of Montana. They play this weekend, Friday and Sunday, against Portland State. If you want to check it out on the stream, it's on Pluto TV, channel 1056, that's 1056, or maybe wander on down. Big Sky High School hosts in both of these matchups. And uh, Montana off to a 3-0 start in the young season, but it's going to be a short season. Only six conference games left before the Big Sky Tournament commences uh, in mid-April. April 15th is when the uh, Big Sky Conference semifinals will descend upon Ogden, Utah. But, Coach, we appreciate the time. We appreciate you Give us a little rundown of your team, and uh, we always love having you. Best of luck this weekend. Uh, we'll circle back around with you before the regular season's over, but always enjoy our time, and thanks so much for giving us a chat. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Hope to see you this weekend. Chris Chudovitsky, Montana soccer coach, defending Big Sky Conference champions, and off to a great start, 3-0. They're at home this weekend, Portland State, a set of games here for Montana women's soccer. It is Nuanez now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. More baseball, Sean Rainey. Breaking down the divisions, it's the AL West today. So we'll talk Angels, Mariners, Astros, Rangers, everything in between Oakland A's, all of those teams. Right after this, right here on Nuanas Now. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. Welcome back. Nuana is now 1029 ESPN Missoula. Stay line. SWX Montana Television. Got to get right to it. More MLB baseball previews. We're going out of the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. Welcome in our good buddy, Sean Rainey, sports director, SWX Montana Television. He almost always joins us in studio, but I'm kind of behind. I didn't realize that baseball opening day was next Thursday. And so we started on a good idea that Sean brought to the table. He said he wanted to just break down and preview all six Major League Baseball divisions. And so yesterday, Wednesday, we broke down uh, the National League West here on Nuanas now. And now we're going to give you a little preview of the AL West. Keep it out West for these first two previews. And we'll be busting these out uh, probably pretty much every show leading up until next Thursday. Maybe we'll give you a full broad Major League Baseball Rundown when Sean is in studio next Wednesday, like he does joining us each and every Wednesday here on both 1029 and ESPN Missoula. But, Rain Man, let's talk AL West. We'll start like we did yesterday. Just give us the broad landscape of this division. It's not necessarily nearly as defined as the NL West. NL West, obviously, with the defending world champion Los Angeles Dodgers and the team that had unquestionably the best offseason in the Padres. This division, though, maybe a little bit more mystery involved. Oh, no, 100%. I think we're going from maybe the the less intriguing division in all of baseball just because we know that the Padres and Dodgers are going to be good. I think the only intrigue is who's going to be better between those two to the most intriguing division in all of baseball because I think the Oakland A's, Houston Astros, and the Angels, I think any three of those teams have a chance to win the division. 
And I think the Mariners are kind of the, the up-and-coming team in the division with a lot of young talent. They're kind of like where you know the Astros were when they started getting all of their young core before they broke out. And I think the Mariners, this is a year where we can see them starting to take some, some major strides in the, in the development of their young core, which could lead to Seattle kind of reigning supreme in this division for years to come if, if they are able to do it the right way. Texas is kind of really the only un, unreliable, un, unrelevant team here. Um, they're bad, and they're probably going to be bad for a while. But I, I think this is a, a fascinating division. As you see, you know, Mike Trout and the Angels trying to get to the playoffs trying to get Trout in the playoffs for the first time. And then, you know, obviously the, the A's and the Astros have been good for a while. Um, I don't know how good they're going to be this year. I think it's a big mystery. But I, I think this is a huge year for the Mariners. And I know there's a lot of Mariners fans in the Pacific Northwest. And, and they have a chance to start this year, really start building the, the blocks to a uh, potential really good team for years to come. Everybody that's from around here that's listening to you talk right now is banging their head against the wall saying, well, have you ever watched the Mariners? Because they're, they've always supposed to be almost good. And then by the time August rolls around, they aren't anymore. But let's start with the Angels, because the Angels, I think, have the most uh, nationally known big-name guys on the team, uh, starting with Mike Trout, obviously. And it's crazy to think, but... Mike Trout's now 30 years old. Mike Trout, is uh, he has had an outstanding career to this point. I mean, one of the best in the history of baseball before his 30th birthday. But now he's reaching that prime or maybe second half of his prime, and uh, he really has not tasted any postseason success to speak of. So does that put a sense of urgency on the Angels to try to have some success before this guy's prime is over? Well, for sure, and it's been pitching. They just haven't been able to get the consistent pitching over the years to be good enough, and their bullpen hasn't been all that great. They bring in Rysel Iglesias, the closer for the Reds, who's um, you know a, a top third in the league closer to kind of help solidify the back end of that rotation. Um, I think they have some young pitchers and Andrew Heaney and Griffin Caning that if they can take a, a little step forward and if Dylan Bundy can, can maintain what he did last year, I think the Angels have the pieces in place. I think it's all going to come down to Shohei Otani. I mean, this guy, I mean, we talk about Trout and how amazing he is, but Otani may be the player in all of baseball to watch this year, even over Fernando Tatis Jr., who I have a man crush on. Because we have never seen a guy throughout a whole, whole year in the modern era of baseball pitch and hit throughout the whole, entire season. And right now he's throwing 100 miles an hour in spring training. He's hitting like over 600 just bombs left and right. If he can stay healthy and be consistent, I think he's going to be in the MVP race, and that will that's going to be the whole key to the Angels because you know what you're going to get from Mike Trout. Anthony Rendon is solid. Um, you know they got some young guys in in that lineup that that will be okay. I think it all is going to come down to to Otani and what he can give them, not only with the bat but with the arm as well. He's so compelling because you always want to watch him no matter what he's doing. But it seems like they've been handling him with kid gloves. They they sometimes pitch him and sometimes they seem like they don't want him to pitch anymore. And I, I don't really know where we're at with him. There's a lot of people that say maybe he should become a full-time DH so he can just be in the lineup all the time. But to me, with considering the yeah. sense of urgency that this team has, don't you think they should just let it roll and just, and just see what they got? Like, let's see this guy do everything he can do for a full season. Well, he is coming off Tommy John. So I think what their plan is, I think they're going to have a six-man rotation, and he's, he's only going to pitch on Sundays. So he's going to pitch on every Sunday, and then, and then he'll be in the lineup for, he'll probably you know, sit one or two days a week. 
but he'll be in the lineup consistently, I think. Um, and then he'll pitch on Sundays, and they're just going to roll with that because you, you can't really throw him out there that much more, especially coming off of Tommy John, and like we talked about yesterday, just with um, the innings bump up for all these pitchers, um, you don't want him throwing over 150 innings this year. So if he can throw and give you an effective start on Sundays and then be uh, an above-average all-star level hitter throughout the rest of the week, I mean, that's going to be big time. Sean Rainey joining us, SWX Montana Television here on Nuanez. Now we continue our MLB division by division preview leading up to opening day next week. Last question about the Angels, Sean, and we can move on. Uh, it seems I remember like it was yesterday when Mark McGuire got hurt and the St. Louis Cardinals call up this triple-A third baseman, maybe even a double-A third baseman, and they throw him at first base, and he just starts hitting three fifteen with 35 homers and 130 RBI for pretty much the rest of time. And now, finally, Albert Pujols, his 10-year contract with the Angels is at its end, and his career seems like it's finally dwindling down to be at its end as well. But this could be a pretty interesting scenario because the guy is no question one of the greatest hitters in the history of baseball, but he's reached the end of the deal. It seems like he's reached the end of his prime. It seems like they need to find a replacement for him, but where do you go with Albert Pujols? Because I don't think Albert Pujols himself is going to be cool with like a bench role or being like a pinch hitter or something like that. Well, I think he, that's, I think that's what he's going to be. I think Jared Walsh is their starter at first base. I mean, Pujols has been done for about three years now. Like he's been pretty bad. Um, and I, I think he knows that. I think everybody knows that. So, Jared Walsh is going to be the starter at first base, playing, getting the majority of the at-bats. Pujols will be he'll DH every now and then and then come off the bench as well. Um, but Jared Walsh is kind of a – he's like a – I think he's 27. He's kind of like a late-blooming prospect that has been good in the – has had some good minor league seasons, and he's finally getting a shot. Played really well last year in the in a short stint, so – they're going to rely – a lot of it's going to rely on, on how he can do this year as well. But, yeah, Poole, I mean, he's pretty much done at, the, at this point, and uh, they're not going to expect a whole lot. They kind of have a lot of old guys in Justin Upton, Jason Hayward. Um, but they're going to that's, – that's kind of my only the, – their weakness is they're not super deep as far as bench, and they got some old guys that are pretty long in the tooth. Moving on, Houston Astros, they – have been the best team in this division for the last handful of years, the most recent team from this division to win the World Series. But a... The world may have slowed down, but it didn't stop. If you're back on the road and traveling to Missoula, we invite you to give Missoula's Wingate a try. We love our regular corporate guests and offer fantastic service, great year-round rates, and clean and comfortable rooms that will keep you coming back. While you're here, you can rack up the Wyndham Rewards points for free nights or airline miles. And starting in July, you can release some steam in our newly expanded fitness room. The team at Missoula's Wingate would love to make you feel at home. Just franchise was filled with drama ever since the whole scandal went down. And the scandal seemed to have affected not only just the perception of the team, the management, all of that, but also it seems to really have taken away a lot of the luster of a lot of the players. I mean, Jose Altuve has never been the same. He 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 was hitting like the Mendoza line last year, hitting like 200 after being a uh, MVP candidate for a couple years in a row. So I guess the largest question for when it comes to the Houston Astros is, is the drama over? And if so, will that help them just from not having to deal with all of the scuttle that has been these last uh, two years or so? Yeah, you say that, but then they they – almost went to the world series last year, you know? So like 
they, they went on a run there in the playoffs. The lineup is still really good. Obviously, uh, George Springer goes to Toronto, but you get Kyle Tucker, who's who was the top prospect in baseball when he was you know just starting out and really good in the minors, and he had a breakout season last year. He's probably going to take another step forward. And so their lineup is still going to be really good. Jordan Alvarez, who was you know the rookie of the year, an amazing player two years ago, was hurt all of last year, didn't even play. So if he can be healthy, uh, he's going to be an amazing DH as well. So their lineup is going to be fine. Obviously, you have no Justin Verlander, so you're relying on old man Granke, and then a bunch of they have a very interesting rotation with a bunch of young guys that all pitch very well. Framber Valdez, who was a breakout pitcher for many people in the fantasy world, broke his finger, so he's going to be out for a while, which is really hurts them. But they got a bunch of other guys, Christian Javier, Jose Urquidy, and a bunch of young starting pitchers that are pretty intriguing. And then they have a decent bullpen as well. So I think the Astros are going to be just fine. Uh, it's going to be interesting, though. I mean, this will be the first time that they're going to be playing with fans in stands, so I'm sure they're going to hear it a lot because first time the fans will be allowed to uh, give them some grief for the cheating scandal. But I think the Astros are going to be just fine this year. Is the pitching rotation, is that their biggest question mark? Uh, probably, yeah, because... I mean, Granky's pretty old. I, I think he's still going to be fine, but he'll just be a little bit more inconsistent. He'll get a good start, but then you're going to get starts where he gives up five, six runs. And then just the, the depth of the rotation. Lance McCullers Jr. just signed an extension. He's obviously really good when he's healthy, but he's had health issues. And then, like I mentioned, all those kind of young guys are just unknown. I mean, they showed flashes, but... Houston is one of those places that just uh, they seem to be able to churn out pitchers. Um, and, and we'll see. I mean, you want to talk about cheating scandal and everything with the hitting? Well, there were some people that kind of called the, the Astros out because every pitcher that went to the Astros seemed that their spin rate all of a sudden just went through the roof. And Major League Baseball just announced sent a memo a couple days ago saying that they are going to really crack down and use stat cast and a whole bunch of things to try and catch pitchers who are using substances that they deem illegal, which is kind of funny because in baseball, if, you've, if anyone's been paying attention, like pitchers are going out there with stuff all over them, widely known. Everybody can see it on TV, and they, don't, and they haven't done anything about it. But it sounds like they might be trying to crack down on that now. Has that gone on with the Astros? I'm, I, I would, it would lean, the numbers would say that some stuff has been going on there, so that might affect them. I don't know, but... Um, I, I think that their starting pitching is going to be fine. I would say it's just as good, if not better, than everyone else in the division. The, the, the division overall, the starting pitching is not not that great as of right now. So I, I think they're sitting okay when 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 you are talking about in perspective with the rest of the division. Sean Rainey joining us, SWX Montana Sports Director here on Nuanez Now on 102.9 ESPN Missoula, statewide SWX Montana Television. We do this each and every day from 4 to 6 p.m. Sean, giving us our breakdown, division by division. We're talking about the AL West. If you ever seen the great Ken Burns documentary about the game of baseball, there's this one uh, great um, basically monologue that Ken Burns gives all about why baseball is the American game, and so much of it is based on cheating. <laughs> Americans are always looking for an advantage. Baseball has always been looking for an advantage. So it's funny. It's like there's always a new 
cheating scandal going on in baseball. And I just don't even think it should be scandals. It's just kind of the way that the game works. But that's here nor there. Let's move on to the uh, Oakland Athletics. Last year, uh, struggles in the bullpen and a lot of their big hitters, you know, Chris Davis is the first one that comes to mind, but several other guys too, just really didn't hit the ball that well. And uh, I guess Davis has now moved on to the Texas Rangers, but the rest of the lineup, I think they have a lot to prove and the bullpen issues loomed large last year as well. So where are we at with the A's? Yeah, well, I mean, they were really good at closer. It was the kind of the the rest of the bullpen was. I mean, they were pretty solid in the bullpen last year. Um, they weren't terrible. Um, uh, to me, it's it's the the lineup and where's the run production going to come from. And that's kind of this is the classic like, you know, Billy Bean small ball. Um, you know, the, the saving money ball stuff going on with the lineup like. Matt Olson and Matt Chapman um, are the big names at first and third. They're really good defensively. They both struggled last year. I'm not, I'm not super high on those guys. Um, and then they just kind of have a hodgepodge of a lineup that uh, it's it's hard to doubt them because they've they've done this for years and it's worked. I'm just not feeling the A's this year. Um, they're projected to win the division um, with the most wins, but I think that. They might finish third in this division. I just don't. I just don't think that the they're going to get enough run support, and their starting pitching has a couple guys that have high ceilings and could be really good. Frankie Montas will probably be the opening day starter. He's got really good stuff, but he's super inconsistent and all over the place. Jesus Lazardo is a big time prospect that kind of debuted last year. Got really good stuff. Again, pretty inconsistent. Has had injury issues in the past. They have other you know young guys that have had injury issues in the past. And the back end of their rotation, I don't think is is all that good. And with Chris Bassett, Sean and Mike Fire, so I I'm I'm lower on the A's than I think the general baseball fan or, or public is. And they're probably going to prove me wrong because they kind of do it this way, and and it seems to work. But I I just have a feeling that this year it's not. I don't know. I just don't. I don't trust the A's this year. Let's move on to the Seattle Mariners. First and foremost, when I watched the Mariners last year, first guy that popped out, I'm not even going to jinx him by telling me telling you who he reminded of, me of, but uh, Kyle Lewis, the center fielder for the Mariners, he's electric. He is fun to watch. He's incredibly athletic. He swings it. He's he's a five-tool guy. He's a potential star and a star that Seattle desperately needs. So uh, how big of a, a building block is that? Is that kind of the, the main piece for the Mariners here entering this season? See, I don't think he's that good. Oh man! And this is gonna, this is gonna catch a lot of. I don't think he's that good. He really, really struggled towards the end of the year. He's got a lot of swing and miss in his game. He's super athletic. He's got some power, but I think he's probably. I mean, he's probably he's. If you're talking about building blocks for this Mariners team moving forward, I mean, he's pro, he's outside the top five. He's not even in the top five as far as the foundation, the foundational piece for the Mariners. Like it's going to be Jared Kelnick, Julio Rodriguez, Logan Gilbert, and you know you hope that like a, a Dylan Moore, Evan White type France breakout. I mean Kyle Lewis could be there. He'll be a solid in center field, but I I I, I don't think he's that great. I, I think the swing and miss is going to really hurt him moving forward. I think he'll be fine. He's good defensively. I think he'll give you some pop, but. I think in the short season, it kind of masked some of his deficiencies 
moving forward. Um, I, but I think the Mariners, they have so many guys on this roster that are like, have the potential to be breakout guys. And I'm a big fantasy baseball player. And so, you know, I, I listen to a lot of stuff and you, and you do a lot of reading and they have so many guys that like have the potential to like break out and be an all-star. Like I mentioned some of them, you know, Dylan Moore, Evan White, Ty France, who they got in the, in the Padres deal. Um, you've had these pitchers that look flash and look really good and, and Kikuchi and Justin Dunn looks good at, in sometimes and things like that. Justice Sheffield has been solid at times. So, like, you just have a bunch of guys that, like, show potential. They just haven't been able to put it all together. So this this year for the Mariners is you just got to play all these guys that have some high upside and then and use this year to figure out, okay, who, who, who is real, who actually can do this, and who can't, and that we have to part ways with and then move on because they have some younger pieces coming up. And we're going to see Logan Gilbert this year, one of their best pitching uh, prospects. They got some more young pitching that's on the way as well. The biggest issue for them is in the bullpen. Rafael Montero is the closer that they brought over. He's solid, but like the bullpen is is not great. Um, which is fine though, because you're not the Mariners aren't going to be in contention this year. So you don't need like the m- best, most amazing bullpen to nail down wins and stuff because that's not exactly the goal of this year if you're a Mariners fan. The goal is just develop some of these young guys, figure out, like I mentioned, kind of like is Evan White an answer at first base? Is Dylan Moore an actual thing? Or is he just like a late breakout guy that played well in a couple months? Where do we go with Ty France? And then we need to get Kelnick up as soon as we can and uh, just give him and, and Julio Rodriguez some experience and Taylor Chamel has been really awesome in spring training. got another guy they got over that Padres deal. That is a top prospect that has kind of struggled in the minors, but has all the tools to be really, really good. So they just got to use this year to develop because I, I, if it all goes well, like they could be a potential world series contending team in three, four years. If they do this right, if they kind of follow this, this Padres path of what the Padres have done the last three years, they can be, like what the Padres are projected to be in, in three years from now. Sean Rainey, SWX. We're late. We'll be back with more baseball previews after this. Thanks to Sean for his great coverage of this. I'm just going to sign off now because we're so late. we got to get out. Thanks so much for listening to Nuanez now. I'm Coulter Nuanez. We'll be back with you tomorrow, 4 p.m. right here on 1029 ESPN Missoula. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. To more. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or of course you can check out the MSU Bookstore 
live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.